Way of the Warrior, your MMA show. Ten yeah, seconds. Rolls into it. Wow, he might get it. Ten seconds. It's all over. Way of the Warrior. One of his legs could fight at welterweight, I'm sure. Probably. I think the first two minutes were everything we thought it was going to be, and then after that, it was the surprise of the night. If it happens in MMA, you hear about it here. Your MMA show, Way of the Warrior. It is Way of the Warrior, Eric Hulkrin, this time around uh, with Nick Bailing. And I brought Nick in for two reasons. One, because Ken Evans is in Tennessee somewhere, and he sent me a photo of a black bear, so I can only assume he's on Team Khabib trying to wrestle bears, getting ready for the Connor fight. And two, because apparently you're on Fight Pass next week. So I thought we would have you on for both of those reasons. Yeah, actually, next week I will be cornering for the WXC heavyweight title. Uh, Brett Martin, my fighter, will be taking on the number two ranked fighter in the state of Michigan. Very cool. And your your thoughts on that fight real quickly? I mean, most people probably have no context as to what this is, but uh, I think it's rare to sit with somebody who's on that side of the game and go, hey, you got a fight coming up and you're on Fight Pass. Your thoughts? The part that makes it interesting is the fight pass part of it because I've cornered now 100 and 150 sure. fights. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the level of commission that happens when you are televised, um, you know, as opposed to a more regional show. Sure. Um, and your thoughts on the opponent? Is this a good fight for your fighter? Like, you're, are you guys excited about the opportunity? What, what are your thoughts going into that? I see this as a showcase fight for Brett. He's an up-and-coming heavyweight. He's 23 years old. And as far as heavyweights go, that's baby age. So he's got a lot to... Yeah, he's got like 60 years left, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He'll be fighting into his mid-40s. Yes. So um, what this is going to do is it's either going to be... It's a tipping point. He's going to win this title in the WXC, and he's going to be one of the highest-ranked heavyweights in the state of Michigan and in the Midwest. Or is he have to figure out a couple of things that have holes in his game? Personally, I think he's ready for it. He's got a good pedigree of wrestling. And he's one of those guys that every single time you show him something new, he says, oh, I get it. And, 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 because he's learning at a rate that's faster than what most people do. Awesome. So that's happening on Fight Pass next weekend. But uh, back to actually why you're on this podcast, friends. Um, you are here to talk about the world of mixed martial arts at large. And so the biggest story this week is clearly Conor McGregor. He has reached a plea deal. And uh, heading into this week, concerns is not really, Nick, what I would use, but there were some thoughts about what could possibly happen. At the highest level, a D-class felony, which is what happens when you throw a dolly through a bus window and injure people, just in case you're playing at home and want to know what happens to you, um, could carry as much as seven years. No one in this room nor in the MMA community thought for one second he was going to get a minute in jail, right? Because we just don't do that. It turned out the other thing to be concerned of was his visa, right, Nick? Because he's Irish and has to come over here to fight. Also wasn't a thing to be concerned about. Uh, When it was all said and done, if you're uber-rich Irish and the third-and-a-half highest-paid athlete in the world, you can throw a dolly through a bus window and get five days of community service and pay restitution. My question in this whole thing is what is those five days, and what is he going to do during that time? Here's my actual favorite. Yes, right, because like some of the jokes floating around is he's going to pick up garbage on the side of the road. That's not what's going to happen. He's going to roll into like a high school and tell people, unless you're the third richest athlete in the world, don't throw dollies in bus windows. I feel like that's what he's going to do. Here's the funnier part is also part of his sentence, he got one to three days of anger management. <laughs> his career is just yelling obscenities into a microphone and he's getting anger management classes. Y- yes, but on a variable scale of one to three, depending on which Connor shows up on day one is dependent on if the other two days he gets. It's going to be the Connor that holds his baby in Instagram photos. <laughs> yes. That's the one you're going to get. It's going to be snuggly Connor is what you get. So all that to said to say, friends, this opens us up to what has to be the biggest fight in mixed martial arts today. I am reticent to go the Luke Thomas route and call this the biggest fight in MMA history. Cause I just don't, I don't, I'm not a, I don't trust Khabib to show up every time. Right. And I, I still don't think the casual fan as you and I have called multiple times and Ken and I have called multiple times, the average Buffalo wild wings fan 
can even pronounce Nurmagomedov, thus making it hard to call this the biggest fight in the history of the sport. Do you find that fair, or is the hyperbole real? Well, honestly, if he is, if he can make the second biggest fight, Conor McGregor versus a bus, then he could make Conor McGregor versus Nurmagomedov. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I just, do you think? Nurmagomedov on the other side. Is it just irrelevant who's on the other side at this point? It's Conor McGregor versus whatever is the biggest fight in MMA. Is that what we're doing? It's not who. It's not just a whatever. Because if you pulled in a GSP or um, somebody of that caliber, I can't think of another person. But if you pulled in a GSP, then it's an even higher level because the competition that he brings is higher than what GSP would bring. But the star power is not higher than what GSP would bring in. Sure. And so um, we've, we've got the rumor right now, Nick, that it will be Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor October 6th. And if that date doesn't work out, it's going to be sometime in November, which is funny because you and I were talking a couple days ago as all of this insanity was swirling. Guys, there are 10 events in the UFC alone between November and December. I say that to you because four days ago before this hearing happens, and this is what Nick and I were talking about, four days ago, this becomes an insane amount of content during the holidays for a fan to tune into and capture. Now, if you take one of those nine to ten events and put Connor and Nurmagomedov on them, forget about it. The other eight or nine don't really exist. They're going to suck all the oxygen out of that whole 60-day cycle. And depending on the tour that they're going to be going on the whole time, they're going to be um, running all that. What will be interesting to me is how do they support what other 155 fight do you see them put in that on that card to, as the backup opponent in case uh, Nurmagomedov doesn't make it? Well, Ferguson was doing cartwheels this week on Instagram. So, I mean, is Ferguson... Is that do you you know you can't run back Ferguson Lee, right? You wouldn't do that to Ferguson because he didn't lose. He... Get, he, well, I mean, he lost to a camera, but we can't get the camera in the octagon. So, um, what you know? What do you think is? What do you think that is? What is the? Do we do we see that this weekend with UFC on Fox? Is it one of these two guys, Poirier and Alvarez? I mean, you're going to see it in the scheduling. They're either going to be the week after, the week before. No, not the week before. The week after on the card. Um, that's when you're going to see probably a showcase of 155. That's what I'm saying. Would you would you make it? Tony, if he's healthy, versus one of these two guys this weekend, is that what you would put underneath them? Yeah, I would put that in. And then when's Lee's next fight? They announced it. Oh, they did? Hold on. I'll look it up while we're hanging out here. Um, is it at 165? Did he finally make his own weight class? Yeah, I'm not sure where they're actually going <laughs> with the weight classes. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe they did not. He was, he's been on that tour. He has. The, the 165 press tour. Yeah, he's been yelling about 165 GSP and someone's going to die in weight cutting, but I don't see a fight. Okay, maybe I just um, derailed the conversation. No worries, but I, I still don't think you run you don't run back Kevin Lee Ferguson at this point. I think Lee's got to do something. Or do you disagree? I can't tell. <laughs> no, actually, like I would say that the Ferguson Lee fight again would be a fine fight, but there's no one clamoring for that fight. We already saw the fight, and it was decisive who won that fight. which is what i'm saying like if you're going to put a spotlight fight underneath to say hey if if something happens one of these two guys could be fighting connor for this belt right it feels to me like alvarez poirier and then ferguson on the other side or yeah i mean ferguson seems like he's part of that equation no matter what right right if he's if he's ready correct yeah i mean he did a cartwheel that doesn't mean he could fight in the octagon i mean right. good on him his knee looks good for gymnastics but well, in the way that we're looking at the UFC today, you don't have to even be in the weight class and you don't have to win any fights before you get a title shot so they oh. can be ready for anybody to be put in there. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But before we do that, like, let's go back to this fight. Um, you're, and as we get a date, we do not have a confirmed date. The rumored date is October 6th. If that doesn't work, like I said, it pushes into November. Who do you favor in this fight? Because I've been watching a lot of people's analysis of this fight, and I find it super, super interesting. Because I feel that Connor's strengths to Nurmagomedov's weaknesses in that same game are 
more dangerous than Nurmagomedov's strengths to Connor's weakness in the other side of the realm, right? Right. I see this one as a Connor loses because of, um, in the third, fourth, you're going to see success at the beginning of it. I don't see the one shot dropping him and uh, dropping Nurmagomedov and hurting him, dropping him, finishing the fight. And as this goes on, that drag out battle of just pulling you down, pulling you down, pulling you down, I see that as a decision victory for Nurmagomedov. Okay. I'm going to counter that, and I'm going to tell you that Connor knocks Nurmagomedov out in round two. Great. So there you go. Um, and like I said, as we get closer and we get a date, we'll get people in and do a round table and talk about this and break this down as to why I think that and why you think what you think. Um, but this is where we are, guys. He got a plea deal, five days of community service, whatever that means. Uh, I mean, Nurmagomedov's tweet I thought was funny that he was going to his community service was going to be whooping Connor's ass uh, for the people. And then he gets one to three days of anger management and pay restitution. The only thing still hanging out there, and then we'll move on to what I find to be the more egregious story of the week, is that um, uh, Mike Chiesa is suing Connor. He was waiting for this whole thing to kind of get through. He is suing him. Um, That just happened 20-some-odd days ago, so... Maybe they'll settle, but that's the only other thing left out there for Connor to deal with. That obviously will not put him in jail or anything like that, but he might have one more day in court or day of arbitration or day of settling this out of court where he has to pay Michael Chiesa. Uh, Ray Borg has not done anything that I'm aware of at this point, but the only other court thing laying out there is this Chiesa case, which is a civil, what's known as a civil case versus this felony case that he was in besides being an annoyance for connor do you know if that implicates him in any like eligibility no i mean i think the only eligibility and the struggle not even a struggle like the only thing is i bet they would keep him out of new york for a minute right like they're not going to put this fight in new york i would imagine this is a vegas fight if you ask me this is not a new york what it feels like to me and i think even if it wasn't a vegas fight it feels like they're gonna like go east coast sorry guys we'll get back to you we gotta take a little break right um which leads us to why we're here, right? Conor McGregor, the biggest fight in, fighter in the world in MMA, clearly gets a title shot against Nurmagomedov because that's that's where we're at, right? We got champion versus champion in that particular regard, even though Conor's been away for a while. We go up a weight class. We joked about 165. It doesn't exist. Our next weight class is welterweight at 170, where we have learned um, that we finally reached... Belts mean nothingville. We have pulled into belts mean nothingville, and we are staying there for a minute. And this whole story starts with um, a photo that I sent you, your brother Andy, and Ken about this card, right? And this card we're speaking about is going to be UFC 228. And on UFC 228, they released a photo of the poster and wanted to get people super excited. And I sent it to you because it was headlined by flyweight champion, uh, Montano versus, uh, Shevchenko. And I said to you, I don't even know who this person is. And I do a show every week about mixed martial arts. And then I joked that she looks like Amanda Nunez's sister stole her belt. and took a photo with Shevchenko. And we all went back and forth because it was literally, uh, Montano Next to Yari Rodriguez and Zabit, right, which one of them was an up-and-coming superstar who's kind of building themselves back up, and everybody is super high on Zabit if you've never seen him fight. Fun fight. If you like fighting, you will love that fight. You're not going to give your neighbor $70, let alone the UFC, to see that fight. And clearly the UFC has learned this. They are in this position where they have made this formula where every pay-per-view has to have two title fights on it, whether you like it or not, and... They knew that Montano is not going to carry a pay-per-view. And the only other fighter, if you go back and look, the only other fighter that would have been available is Rose, and she wouldn't have carried it either. No disrespect to Rose. She is not going to get the eyeballs that a 170 title fight is. Can we agree on this at this point? So far, same page. Okay. So uh, they said, hey... The only person available is the welterweight division. So, Woodley, you're on deck. Hey, Colby Covington, you've had the belt for 51 days. Um, can 
I know you just had sinus surgery and told us you're available in October. Can you fight in September? Well, no, UFC. I just told you I had sinus surgery. I can't. That's great. You're no longer the interim champion. We're going to give Darren Till the shot. And we pull into belts mean nothing. So I am going to ask this question that Luke Thomas asked this week, and I thought it was super astute. Today, Friday afternoon, Nick Bailing in the UFC, what does an interim champion mean? An interim champion? I mean, that's no, right a, now, what does it mean? Well, it means nothing. Okay. That's the answer. But it means an interim title means that they needed to fill a card and you were the guy to do it for that week. But that's no longer true. If we're just stripping people, I mean, it's not even, it's five weeks. It's not even 51 days. It's 40 something, right? Um, we're stripping guys after 41 days of holding the belt because we have set this schedule in motion that we can't sustain. And we've got a pay-per-view that we have to book. And we don't have Connor back yet. And we don't have Brock back yet. And DC just fought. And we don't have anyone at 205. And then we had people at 205, but they all got injured, right? Um, How many belts were there? I mean... Well, you had no belts there because DC's got them, right? But at least you had... You have a better story, right? You have Ozemir and Gustafson. People would watch that, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know that they're giving you $70, but... We're in a different world, right? So that's off off the table because those guys are both injured. 85, there's no one available at 85. 70 was the only thing because 55 we just talked about. 45, we're, you know, we've got Max Holloway. We don't, is he going to fight again? Is he not going to fight again? When does Brian Ortega, right? 35 and 25, they're already fighting. So here we are. They strip him and give it to Darren Till. Now, that alone to me, Nick, is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in this sport ever. Add into the fact, Darren Till's last fight against Jeremy Stevens, I believe that's right, right? Is that I think so. Uh, I just want to make sure. Sorry. Against Wonderboy. Right. Jeremy Stevens fights this weekend. That's why I was thinking. His last fight against Wonderboy, he missed by three and a half pounds. That's right. He hasn't even fought in the weight class. Correct. Or won in the weight class. Correct. Yeah. But now he's he's fighting for the championship because we needed him to? Well, um, opening up the weight class or the, the missed weight part of it is a totally different story because we've already shown that if you miss weight, yeah, you lose your purse for the night, but that doesn't affect you in any way as your standings in the UFC. Until has missed twice in the UFC. 76 176, he came in in May of 2017, and one year later at 174. Because if, if we were looking at the 185 title right now with Whitaker, Whitaker, the last time he fought, was fighting for the title against Romero, and Romero was not fighting for the title Correct. because he missed the weight. Now Romero's going up to 205. Rockhold's going up to 205, which all of that's great, right? right. Because quite honestly, and this is a, a bit of an aside, and I'll jump right back in. Quite honestly... 205 is a, a dumpster fire right now. So we need those guys to come up so we can make some sense about what's happening there, especially if um, if DC is not going to come back. And I think he mentioned this week that Brock will be his final fight. That will be in March. But that might not be his, on, his only fight. Meaning somewhere between now and then he might take another fight. Highly doubt it's at light heavyweight, but whatever. So that actually just leads me like the the whole point of this thing and how you even started it is we're kind of like in a whose line is it anyway where the <laughs> where the rankings don't matter and the belts are made up. So um, that's the thing with Till. It doesn't matter even if he goes and fights this thing. He proved that he can't make weight before he's going to fight. You could be looking at another another title fight where you have a guy who hasn't fought for the title. There's an interim holder that got stripped who didn't lose it but no longer has it. And then you have Till, who, if he doesn't make weight, you have one guy fighting for the title versus a guy who is in a different weight class. And then from a promotion standpoint, um, I want to give credit where credit is due, as Luke Thomas in the MMA Hour was putting this formula together, right? From a promotional standpoint, you have Tyron Woodley. Some fans love him. Some fans hate him. You have Colby Covington. Some people love him. Some people hate him, right? They were on a collision course to fight for that belt. They hated each other. And if you watch Woodley fight, you know that he doesn't really have any natural rivalry. So we arrived at natural rivalryville, 
where if Colby won, he was going to take the belt to the White House as part of his Make America Great Again tour. And whatever your political feelings are, friends, like, if you're a promoter, that's like P.T. Barnum gold, right? And we're going to lose all of that so that we can put Darren Till in the slot to fill a slot with a guy who's missed that weight twice within the last 12 months. And then are we praying? This was Luke's line, right? Like, are we praying that we can get back to Woodley Covington? And is, like, because Colby clearly should be mad at Dana and the UFC. So the rivalry, like, shifts away from, he can't be mad. Woodley didn't take his title, right? Like, Woodley was there going, yeah, I'll, we could do whatever, but they, we're a commodity now. We're a hamburger, and they needed to put hamburgers at the top of the menu. Well, and if you look at Woodley, I mean, yeah, he came off of his surgery that he had a shoulder rotator cuff. I, I think, think, yeah. yeah. Yep. He was running his rotator cuff surgery, but he was trying to pick and choose his fights for a big fight. So what's the disappointment of you go through all that rehab, you sit out a couple of times, and then you go through all of your rehab of your surgery, and then you get to the point where you're like, this is the fight where I'm going to be making my dollars, the buy is mm-hmm. there, the rivalry is there, that all the stuff he's been talking about is all of a sudden available to him, and then they say, mm, sorry, you have to go and fight till now. Not that it's not a great fight, but... No, and that, you know, that's the struggle, right, is the problem is that we have very short memories, and we're going to be like, this is an awesome fight, we get Woodley and Till. It, it is, and that's the hard part, right, is that it is a great fight. But the problem is, one, you've literally started a whole nother line of credit that you're going to have to pay. You've said interim belts are meaningless. And so if interim belts are now meaningless... What, next time you put an interim belt on a pay-per-view to fill a slot to get people to give you $70, it's going to work less because they know it's not real. Because they know that if their favorite fighter, Jimmy, wins the belt, you could turn around tomorrow and be like, yeah, Jimmy's not ready, though, so he's uh, no longer the interim champion because that thing's meaningless. I mean, if you look at five years ago, the interim title was only if a guy hadn't defended, retired, or did something where that belt would go undefended for a year and then, then they started talking about it. Now, if you're not ready within 30 days, the title's not yours anymore. Or they'll just make up a new one and hand it to you and call you the interim and, title. And we holder. just went through this at 85, right? You have Whitaker as the interim champ who has to fight to become the legit champ because the legit champ lost to GSP, whose stomach hurt and didn't want to fight anymore, so he gave up the belt. We just did this. Yeah. Right, yep. like so, the actual champ at 185 won't defend that championship. So we just did another thing, and now Whitaker's still the champion. I mean, you, and I'm not saying that with like I don't believe that Whitaker's the champion. I'm saying like that's what we did. So you go, I mean, yeah, he's the champion, but he didn't beat GSP. I mean, if you and I are sitting here as the avid fans and followers, we we hardly miss a fight, let alone you know major cards or anything like that. If you and I are trying to discuss how difficult this is of who were the lineage and who lost it, who got it, all of that kind of stuff, what's happening to your Buffalo Wild Wings fan who's saying, isn't he the, the champ? Didn't I just watch him a month ago when my buddy dragged me here to win the title? Right. And, and to put the cherry on top of that, we just had a discussion 10 minutes ago about we didn't know that there was a women's flyweight champion. Right? Like, right. And we follow the sport very closely. And not one of the people on that text thread knew who this woman was. No disrespect to the fact that she won it through the Ultimate Fighter. That's not what. It's not my job to promote the fighters. That's the UFC. If you want me, like this weekend's a great example. Joanna Jinjerchak's fighting. Even if it's not a free fight, I'm all in, right? Um, if you want me to care about Montano as much as I care about Joanna Jinjerchek, you've got to do some work. I've never even seen a video of her. I'm, I haven't followed the Ultimate Fighter for years. No one has, but what I'm saying is, like, you and I are reading the sport all the time. I, don't, there's no, I haven't seen a highlight reel. I haven't seen a sizzle reel. I haven't seen a promotional video. Nothing. No, I mean that and she's a great fight like she's a great fighter. But I don't know anything about her because you're not doing your job and then because you're not doing your job, we land in this neighborhood where you're just like, 
hey, Colby, I'm going to need that belt back because I got to give it to Darren Till because I got to put Darren Till in against Wonderboy. Sorry, against Woodley because I need him now because I made a champion in a new weight class because I didn't learn anything from the Jermaine Durandamy debacle. Um, so I made a new weight class and I didn't tell anyone about it. And now no one will pay for it. So I need him. I'm sitting here listening to you explain this, and I understand it. I follow it. And it, it's still too much. Like, how much do you expect the person to pay attention? Do you want them to just follow the shiny gold lure and say that must be a title fight? It is important. Or are you going to start raising these people up properly and building a lineage to the title so that you know if this person, if fighter A takes fighter B's title, that fighter is theirs until they go away or they defend? And I don't know. And here's the side of here's the terrible side effect of all of this that we've just done for 15 minutes. The terrible side effect is is that we have such short attention spans. Sunday afternoon, Anthony Smith murked Shogun. A month before that, he murked and retired Rashad Evans. And there's no space to talk about him. Because we got to argue about the interim champion who is no longer the interim champion to give it to Darren Till to fight Woodley when we've got somebody at 205 that we should be running promos of continuously. Because if you want to build, I, I don't even know if he would be considered a heel because he seems like a super nice dude. But right. um, like if you want to build a star, that's how you do it, right? Mm-hmm. This guy has... Annihil- annihilated friends, two former champions, legends, and Hall of Famers inside 31 days. Well, I mean, and, and sorry to cut you off. No, and left that fight wanting to fight Gustafson on 13 days' notice. Right. Well, that's the. I mean, you, you're you're talking about like a legend killer. I mean, that's you. You yeah, go through that's promotion, right? right? Exactly. Like you play those highlights of those people hitting the ground, and that's all you have to show of this person. And you might, you know, backstory, everything like that. They're not telling the story about what this person is doing to get there. And then once they get there, they're just waiting until they need somebody, and then they're just shoving them into the point. And there's, and I, I'm looking at it, going, "Why do I care?" That's the problem. And when it's, and I use this as an example, guys, because on su- Sunday afternoon, and this is a bit of an aside, but Sunday afternoon, that event was seven hours and 45 minutes of pure torture, right? But all night long, I was being texted, Facebook messaged, snapped, and tweeted at with the highlight of Smith destroying Shogun. That, right? That's how I found out of about it. Of course you did, right? So... We're spending all of this time to just fill a void when you could just – and I get it, guys. He wouldn't be ready. He was willing to do this, but he wouldn't be ready to do this. But you could just put – you could put Anthony Smith on the top of a card at this point and get some eyeballs. I mean, we're doing it this weekend, and we'll get to Fox in a second. We're doing it this weekend. This card is awesome. Oh, my gosh. It is Shut ridiculous. Shut your face. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it can be done, but you're building this, this like oasis in the desert that you can't keep up because there's not enough sustenance to feed it. You can't keep doing two championship fights when you've got champs that fight one or two times a year tops and you're putting 12 pay-per-views on. Right. The math doesn't work there. If you look at the card this weekend... Uh, there's a lot of things that are going right for it. And, uh, we, I mean, I don't know if we're going to jump into this now. but we, Yeah, whatever. We, we got Alvarez and Poirier here going to fight. And um, even your casual fan at this point, it doesn't matter that there's not a title fight on this. It doesn't matter. No, because like, they went to war the last time. There was a foul, and it got no contest, and we roll it back, right? Because we got to figure – we do have to actually figure this one out. Right. Which – this is a thing that the UFC is doing well. We didn't just forget we did this. We have to figure this one out to make the championship queue at 55. This has to be fleshed out. But, like, actually, this is the conversation that uh, my brother, who is my other, like, we're the fan and we watch everything together when we're watching these fights. And we said, this is the kind of card that you sit down 
and you watch from beginning to end because you're looking forward to these fights. And as far as an East Coast guy, these things starting at 8 o'clock, that's spot on. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, even if you, like, again, we're not going to do this today, but seven-hour cards I still think are insane, and I think it's part of their problem, especially when you look at this one because – and you and I, I want to get into what you and I talked about earlier this week right here because I think it, it's worth talking about. But, like, on the prelim card, you've got McDessie and Ross Pearson. I'm going to say that one more time for people who are super into the sport. On the prelim card, on Fight Pass, you have John McDessie fighting Ross Pearson. For those of you who might not be up on either one of those guys or only up on one or the other, like, that's, that's fireworks, friends. You could put that on a main card. But you didn't because you had to fill this one. So you put it on F and Fight Pass. And to be fair, they're trying to get eyeballs to Fight Pass. Yep. So that, that's the main event of the Fight Pass card. And then you jump into your, your Fox. And actually, it's telling me here that the entire thing, even the prelims are on Fox this time. Yeah, it goes from 6 to 10, I guess, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that's and a super aside. I'm hoping that's what the ESPN thing looks like because I think all of this jumping from three different tiers from Fight Pass to FS1 to Fox or Fight Pass to FS2 to Fox or Fight Pass to FXXXX ampersand underscore photos to Fox is a lot to ask somebody to do, especially when we start having this argument about is seven hours too much. Um, going from one to the other is okay. And I understand why they have that fight on Fight Pass. My point in saying this is the to talk business for a second you know, the the art of strategy is sacrifice and you're clearly not building fight pass cuz you've sold most of the ip the intellectual property yeah. to espn plus so you're not building this anymore and if you're not building this and you just looked and said mm, no one's going to give me $70 for ufc 228 so i got to do this crazy thing Stripping my interim title, bringing in a guy who hasn't made weight at the weight class to fight Woodley in hopes that you'll give me $70 when a month ago we had a super fight between DC and Stipe that didn't break 400,000 pay-per-views. Like, the whole thing is a conundrum that I I think you've got to deal with all at once and yet separately. And things like McDessie and Pearson on the undercard of a platform you don't necessarily care about come January— is a clear example of something you could have saved for later. Right. Yeah, no, exactly that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where this stuff... I know that they've laid out how it's going to all land on ESPN as far as your ESPN Plus, ESPN, ESPN2. Like, they have it all laid out of, like, where these things are going. Yes. But it's going to be interesting to see, like, where they put the effort into this. Like, are we going to see title fights on ESPN? Or is it going to be like what happened with Fox when they first started doing the big Fox cards? You got a couple title fights and then very important fights like this Alvarez Poirier, but it's not a title fight on there. Meanwhile, they're trying to double down on your pay-per-views to get you to give a you know, like give a rat's ass. Yeah, and well, they haven't slowed down on their pay-per-view schedule for next year being 19, which is the thing that a lot of us were talking about. If you listen to us or Luke Thomas or Ariel Hawani, we were all hoping for six. Right, yeah. Right. Six felt like we could get six awesome events and we could put the rest of the content, the fights, into these other platforms. ESPN proper, so we could have a lot more of what's at the top of the Fox card. Crap, even in the co-main, right? Like Aldo and Jeremy Stevens, like we could have a lot more of that happening, um, which on ESPN Plus would get me to tune in. If you remember, and I know you do, Ken talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you remember, when they wanted to get a spike in viewers on Fight Pass, they put Anderson Silva on the top of a Fight Pass card. Right, right, yeah. So I'm assuming that similar thing is going to happen. But again, if all of that stuff's happening, I already know you don't care about Fight Pass because you have to put people in a different app. You have to move them again. And... I mean, that actually leads into, like, the Fight Pass about, like, why people tune in. I actually keep Fight Pass because they put full glory cards on there. And I think I'm one of the 15 people left in the United States that cares about that um, organization. Sure. But I've been to three of the live events, 
and I can't chase around the other card because I'm a cord cutter and I can't find the rest of the card. So I keep fight pass for that specifically. But what you know what we had talked about um, was I'm okay with that if you're going to do the WWE model and you're going to build a universe and it's going to be glory and it's going to be Eddie Bravo Invitational, you know, the EBIs. It's going to be Invicta. It's going to be Cage Rage. It's going to be this organization. Like, you're going to have all of that stuff so there's fights on all the time. I'm not complaining about having fights all the time. What I'm complaining about is in the UFC, you have too much stuff that you have just eroded away your audience because there's nothing's interesting until Conor McGregor shows up. Nothing's interesting until a real belt shows up now because an interim belt is useless. There's too many injuries. There's too many fights. There's too much stuff to keep track of. We spoke for 15 minutes about stuff that some people who listen to this podcast might not even be into. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, Because if you and I don't know who the women's flyweight champion is, likely they don't either. Um, And so if you've built up all of that stuff, you have to pull some of it away to make the product better, to get your money back. Because they're, in my opinion, they're racing in the wrong direction to get their $4 billion back. They're trying to do it in quantity, not quality, when you have an awesome roster. And the comparison I will make is if you look at what Bellator is doing in the heavyweight tournament, whatever the hell you want to say about it, in October... They're doing two events back-to-back in two different cities, two hours apart. So you've got Mitrione and Bader on Friday night, and you've got Fedor and Chael on Saturday night. So by Sunday morning, you know the fight in January. Right. I can't tell you how much I love that proposition. Well, and they're, they, I don't know the numbers, and I don't even know if they released those, but they obviously are going to be seeing success in it because they're doing it now with welterweights. Yeah, and they've got a welterweight like stable of guys. I mean, that is going to be actually a their one seventy <laughs> tournament is actually going to be better than whatever we're doing in one seventy in the UFC right now, without a doubt. And he's quietly been building that stable of fighters up. Right, they went through the the painful era of Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock and Dada 5000 and Kimbo. Like they went through that whole thing where you had to take these what we would call freak fights. Um, to make a spectacle of it, to bring in eyeballs. And now they've slowly but surely been pivoting. You and I, a little inside baseball guys, this morning Nick was talking about left-handed strikers and showing me some stuff in the kickboxing world, right? Like they've been doing that to the MMA community without them really knowing, right? Slowly pivoting so that they have access to all of their weapons when the UFC won't. Yeah. Connor will be if they do October six. Connor will be over, and Bellator has free run of the place till we get to DC. Brock with a like with valuable content because I mean I understand when, if does, it, do, when does the welterweight tournament start? I'm not actually okay. Sure, I just know keep, that they announced going, it. I'll, I'll look it up. But what I find interesting about it is they're going. They built value in the tournament because you can see the lineage of it, and I think that that is the main point that we're getting at with the 170 with an interim title that's dropped and with somebody missing weight getting a title shot and all this stuff the 170 tournament in bellator is going to be easy to follow he loses i know who he is fighting next if he wins i know who he is fighting next and it makes sense that way because we can follow along right now I can't follow along. It's so disjointed that you don't know who, and so then you go, well, I don't know. I guess I just don't care anymore. Yeah, and um, let's see. So you've got the amazing, uh, like, and I love this fight too. You've got Rory McDonald and Musasi on September 29th for their super fight. So they've, they're putting their middleweight champ versus their welterweight champ. And then when that's done, Rory's joining this welterweight tournament and that's going to kick off in February when they're at the conclusion of the heavyweight tournament. So they're going to take up the oxygen in this space with something that makes a lot of sense. And it's June-ish, July, and Coker rolls out nine of the ten fighters that's in the field mm-hmm. to get excitement, right? Where you and I are going, you're putting a guy who hasn't made weight 
and you won't like whatever you think about Colby Covington. I don't really like his stick, but the, the, the stick I should say, but the guy can fight, and I was excited about seeing the fight to unify the titles. Well, for a while when they were doing the um, the number one contender fights, hey, the winner of this fight w- gets a title shot, and they were doing it for a while. And Dana White was pretty much sticking true to his guns when he was saying the winner of this one and then you started to see hey the winner of this fight will get the next title shot and then that person wouldn't a couple of times and then what happened is those contender fights lost value yes so then what they had to do with the way of inflation they couldn't call it a contender fight they had to give them a belt they had to give them a belt so then you had belt versus belt going at it and um, so now what you did is you devalued again meanwhile you've got these guys in Bellator fighting for a tournament belt that has like there's not even like it's a completely different storyline and you're building value at the lowest well, level of it and you're building two different pieces of value right so some nuance to that there's no heavyweight champ in bellator mm-hmm. they stripped him and he left the organization so this tournament you're the heavyweight champ right right yeah um and you've got the lightweight champ who joined the heavyweight tournament to be a two belt in ryan bader right to be a two belt holder awesome story we're just finding out that the guy who has the welterweight belt wants to be in the welterweight tournament to win this other type of belt to be the tournament champion like the strike force grand prix champion and your welterweight champ yeah i love it on all levels okay um let's kind of wrap up today talking about saturday night as we get usc on fox 30 eddie alvarez and dustin poirier two we're rolling that one back aldo and jeremy stevens is the co-main ginger and tisha torres before that and albin mercier versus hernandez is kicking off the main card your thoughts on the alvarez poirier fight I mean, they did, like you said earlier, they just had to run it back. Yes. The, the fight was all, it was fireworks leading up until the foul, and then they had to call the fight. Afterwards, they were both total gentlemen about it and saying, like, let's run it back as they're both bloodied, bruised, and battered. So, like, yeah. I, and you know what? No matter who wins, I'd want to see it again. When two guys are ready to fight, like, it's a great fight. Who do you like in that fight, though? Uh, the way that Poirier has been looking, I yeah. take Poirier. Yeah, I like Poirier too. Uh, Aldo and Stevens. That's an interesting one because Aldo, you know, couple wins, couple losses. I don't actually remember what his record is in the last, like, say, three fights. But Stevens, I, I have to go with Stevens on this one, and I, like, I don't think I've ever picked against Aldo. Three in a row is Stevens right now, um, and yeah, I mean. It's hard to pick against Aldo, but he's just become a shell of himself. Lost to Max Holloway twice in a row. Lost to, obviously, Connor, and then beat Frankie Edgar. But he's not the... There was an interesting story this week where Jeremy Stevens was like, I'll go kick for kick with him, which five years ago would be a fool's game. I, I don't know that I think that's necessarily a crazy way to you know, kind of take him out of his game because if he starts kicking you as hard as he can and it does nothing to you and you kick him right back you know you can play some mind games with that well yeah and the thing is if you'd have said that a few years ago you said well then you're going to end up faber legged yep where you have just one stovepipe of a leg because it's so swollen all the way down to the bottom where this as at this point like i mean stevens can generate that kind of power like the level of striking and the level of what he's capable of today is I mean I don't see how that would be I mean it'd be a problem, but it's not a problem. Yes, uh, and then Yoyana Jinjercheck um, continues to cement herself as a gatekeeper, I guess. Right. Well, this if she loses this fight, this will be the first example of the gatekeeper because she fought title fight title fight. Yeah, but I, I mean I don't think I don't think Tisha, Tisha Torres beats Yoyana Jinjercheck. Never. No, I, I, mean, I mean, not never, but no. I mean, anything can happen. I just like I'm laughing because um, she's back to her old games. I guess Tisha Torres said at the at the like press conference weigh ins where they just face off. She leaned in and said, welcome to hell, <laughs> which I can't I just I can't even like it's, because it's so funny because you and I joke about this all the time. Her Instagram is like unicorns and the color pink and sparkly donuts and whatever. And then she gets in fight mode and is telling people, 
I'm going to eat your children. It, th- that's actually why I like her so much. I follow her on Instagram because of that. When she's in those press conferences, when she's doing the stare downs, it's like they have a body double come in because she turns into a completely different person. Her posture, her stance, everything about her is completely different. And then you go jump back onto Instagram where she's living her life and she's like a sneakerhead running around right. and playing like, on the beach. She's like sneakerhead Polish Barbie, like running around, <laughs> like having the, driving around in cars and go to the beach, do whatever, and then. I'm going to eat your soul. (laughs) So uh, we've got that on Fox. As Nick said, the prelim cards kick off at 6 p.m. with four fights. And then you head into the main event um, that kicks off at 8, wraps up at 10 Eastern time. The fight pass card kicks off at 4. You get five fights on there. And even that, dude, is like 12 fights. Do we need 12 fights? Do we need 12? I'm asking you seriously because it's like... This is becoming so laughable, so much like we're the professional version of the amateur card. If you haven't been to an MMA amateur fight, here's what you get. You get two things, one of which you've heard me say a thousand times, one of them I've never probably said out loud on the show. You get, for your 10 or $20, you get 37 fights, right? Mm-hmm. Starts at 2 in the afternoon. It will end shortly after 1 a.m., wherever you are, <laughs> local time. And it will be a cavalcade of human beings that are about to find out they never want to do this again. It's one dude who trained, another dude who's going to get destroyed, usually. And as you get closer to the top, you get people who are serious about this, and then you get real fights, and then maybe the top three are real. But the point in saying that is 12 fights kicking off at 4 o'clock. And, Nick, when you and I were arguing about this this week, you were like, yeah, but everybody wanted to see the prelims. And, And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my response to you was... Could you imagine being the person in the arena who is now who's going through two meals? <laughs> like when you start putting it that way, like how many how many meals? Like how many bathroom there, breaks? You've been there for two meals right. to watch fights. It seems excessive. Two meals at the in Alberta uh, Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, yeah. At, yeah. What's the choice? What are you going with? Nachos first, and then hot dogs later. <laughs> What well, depends, right? Like, because it depends if you got to drive home. The nachos are a little bit lighter. But, like, in serious, I, this weekend I'm going to Wrigley Field to watch Foo Fighters. I love the Foo Fighters. I don't love them as much as I love Pearl Jam. So a month later I'm going to see Pearl Jam. We'll use that as the example. If Eddie Vedder wanted to keep me at Wrigley Field for 7 hours and 45 minutes, I probably wouldn't stay. Yeah. I probably wouldn't stay. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask of me. It, it def- well, I mean, and if you look at uh, if you look at what happens in Vegas cards, the card is I mean, the place is empty until the what co-main event when people start filing in because it's but, old, old school boxing. Days. But what I'm saying is like that should tell you something, right? Is that you're just putting this on for the sake of put- you're just you call it the the content void. You're just throwing stuff into the void that no one sees, right? You and the seven people that still have fight pass see those six fights, right? And then, and then maybe if the McDessie fight is awesome, you text somebody and say, oh, my God, did you see the McDessie fight? Like my buddy Julian is on Fight Pass, too. And he's always like, did you see the blah, blah, blah fight? Nope, because I'm not on Fight Pass right now because I know that that's not a thing. We're going to another thing. That's actually the most ridiculous part about that Fight Pass is I don't watch the prelim fights even though I have <laughs> Fight Pass. I watch the other things that are on there. So if that tells you, like, what's going on yeah. with these events, like, I just don't – I don't care enough to change my day. Like, but, I, but I think to, to wrap this up, I think, Nick, if everything was in one place, I bet you would just have it on, right? Like, Saturday night, I'll have the fights on at 6. I won't be watching till 8. Right. But I'll have them on. Mm-hmm. And if something interesting happens, I'll see it. But I'm not going to pay attention really till – Mercier is in the the octagon, and I know that like we're heading towards the other stuff, and I'll start to pay real attention with Joanna and then onward. Um, I just think twelve fights, thirteen fights, fourteen fights. I mean, sometimes that's their selling point, right? UFC two thirty fourteen fight. I don't want fourteen fights. I want five awesome fights. Yeah, ex- well, and especially if they really treated it like the amateurs, and they were doing it right when they start at two in the afternoon. Those first six fights next up 
In ring. Next up, yep. in ring. But we but don't, they do, don't that. do that. No, the pacing is ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. like, here's 14 minutes of TV commercials on Fight Pass that I paid you for, right? Yep. Um, and they disguise it as promotional videos, but they're commercials. And then another fight, and then da 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 Fill all that time. Modelo, Modelo, Modelo. Modelo, 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 Harley, Zions, if they're still a thing. <laughs> More likely, Monster. Um, and then we're on to the, the next thing, which is the... The thing I've always admired about Fox is two hours and you're done. You're done. Two hours, four fights, and you're done. If you said each one of those went to decision, I mean, where are you even squeezing in the commercials to those? Right. And, and you know, they've built in what Fox, not to go, go too inside baseball, so I'll make this quick. Fox has been playing around with this idea of what they call the speed break, where they just want to run two minutes total in an hour Mm -hmm. and overcharge for it because they know that we're not watching commercials, right? So this sport works perfect with that, with a two-minute speed break that you break into, you know, maybe you sell 15 seconds. Yeah. Yep. Right, in, out, in, out, in, out. Fight over, decision. Fight over, decision. But even, here's the thing that I've always struggled with, and we'll close on this. When we get to the pay-per-views, why are there pacing issues on a pay-per-view? I didn't pay for the time. You actually paid to have that not happen. Right. I didn't yeah. pay for the time. I paid right. for the fights. Yeah. Get me the fights as soon as humanly possible. I do not need to see DC was a tiny poor boy who wanted to be a firefighter his whole life. But it turned out that Stipe was the firefighter. Now they will meet in the octagon to determine which one of them is actually the firefighter. 45 minutes later... And that right, like we, I don't, I don't care. Uh, you don't, you don't need that, but I need you doing that for all the promos <laughs> and just tell those stories. And all of a sudden, all these interim titles will matter. But like, I wish they would just get rid of all of that. Yeah, we, you charge me seventy dollars. You don't get to advertise to me except for shorts and on the floor. And if you want to run stuff, graphic packages in the fight, I don't care. Destiny Two, Gears of War, don't care. Mm-hmm. But you got to speed that up if you want me to be in into this because 7 minutes 7 hours and 45 minutes is too much pushing till 1 or 1:30 in the morning because you wanted to run all of this promotional garbage in your pay-per-view is too much you've got to fix the pacing first you got to fix the product this Darren Till stuff is ridiculous and i think the second thing dude is you've got to fix the pacing because the pacing sucks and this weekend we'll show you again why the pacing sucks because you'll go man i had a great time this weekend this is exactly what's going to happen on Monday. We will walk in here and go get coffee. Man, I had a great time this weekend. And then my wife and I went and did blah because we weren't watching TV till 1 in the morning. Yeah. We were done at 10. Right. Yep. That's ex- You're exactly right. That's why Andy and I are so excited for this card is because we will record the prelims and then, or like the, the sure. 6 to yep. 8 o'clock. We watch it and we fast forward until we hit the next fight, hit the next fight, hit the next fight, and then we watch the entire 8 o'clock card live. So we'll sit through those commercials because we know it's going to be quick and we know it's going to work and we know when we're done. That's the thing. All right, so this weekend, if you want to follow along, you can do it on Twitter and on Facebook. Nick, if people want to find you, how do they do that? Nick Bailing on Instagram. There you go. It's really, really tough. Uh, you can find us, though, uh, Way of the Warrior, at Twitter, at Facebook, at Wow Show. I'm Eric Hulkerin. That is Nick Bailing, and this is your MMA show.